host Sean Lynn in the pub for a dram with friends where we talk about faith, family, food, and fun. Pull up a chair and I'll pour you a drink. Episode 38. We are excited to be joined in the pub by Father Troy Nguyen. Listen to how God called him into ministry. Sit back as I pour us a dram. Welcome to another episode of A Dram with Friends. We are extremely excited to have Father Troy Nguyen join us in the pub today. Welcome, Father Troy. Thank you, Sean, for having me today. It's great to be here. So, I am somewhat familiar with the Vietnamese culture here in Calgary, but uh, I couldn't think of a whiskey that uh, that I I would pick. But I I remember seeing this on the table at a, a lot of restaurants uh, when some Remy Martin when uh, the guys were wanting to look good. So. Yes, yes, that is a very popular uh, wedding drink for sure. Very Vietnamese. <laughs> My nephew is actually named Remy as well. Okay, there you go. So, uh, so I I chose wisely, did I? And yes, it did. looks like you're still in the office, so you're probably not uh, not drinking too much right now, eh? Probably wouldn't be a good idea to 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 do that and then hear confessions. <laughs> Uh, you might give out one or two less Hail Marys. Uh, I might, so, yeah, uh, yeah. They might be hearing my confession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't want that. So, uh, so we're, uh, we're extremely happy that you're able to join us in the pub today. And uh, I've known you for a number of years. And, and please describe to our audience, who is Father Troy Nguyen? Yeah, that's a, yeah, so Father Troy Nguyen is, is a priest of Jesus Christ primarily. I mean, that's, um, that's the vocation God has called me to. Um, just a quick kind of history of who I am. You know, I was born in Calgary and I was raised there. My parents came from Vietnam and um, I had a great childhood. But I, I knew when I was young that there was something missing in my life, even though I could not articulate what was missing. I knew something was missing. And so I went to um, a monastery to find out what I was missing. And I didn't go there to, to become a priest or anything. I went in grade 10 just to really, I saw something different about that place. And I just felt that there was something more here. And so I went there, not even strong in my faith either. And that's where... God kind of caught me, called me to the priesthood, and then um, I joined the seminary with the Diocese of Calgary after I graduated from high school. And then I studied philosophy and theology, I spent about four years in seminary. But after that period, um, I thought I knew my vocation, but I wasn't sure. I felt I was hitting a glass ceiling, so I kind of, I left seminary for about five years just trying to discern my vocation and just to see where else God was calling me to. So. I did construction for a bit, then I worked in the bank as a teller, and then the 
the guy in the vaults, and then I that didn't work out either. And then so I wanted to become a teacher, got my education degree, wanted to teach bio and religion. And then in that whole period, God was in a way preparing me to come back. And so um, he called me back, uh, partly through God Squad there too, is important for me. And uh, now I'm a priest and I love it. It's, a, it's great. I'm so glad to be a priest. Uh, in these times, it's kind of crazy. I never thought I'd be a priest in, during a pandemic and all these different situations. But uh, it's, it's been great. That's amazing. And yes, we are living in some uh, trying times. And at the time of the recording, we're in the month of May and, and Mary is very prominent. And uh, the Pope's asking us to pray uh, for an end to this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And you're only allowed to have 15 parishioners in at any given time, which like I was the lector for the mass right after the restrictions came down and that was hard to comprehend and fathom. Yeah, it's it's difficult for sure. It's a little confusing because retail is 10% and churches are only 15 people. So in our, in our church, St. James Church, I'm in St. James in Okotoks, and we have a 1,500-person capacity generally in total, right? So we can only have 15 people. It's like 1% or less than 1% of our whole capacity, you know? So then really people are just sitting there, right? And, and it's hard to see how that's more dangerous than going to Costco. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's where, uh, but we read uh, in the Bible that God gives all authority and we're subject to that authority and we, we read in, in the Old Testament about the, the Jewish people going down uh, and being taken into slavery in Egypt because of, so, and there's lots of these uh, cycles through the Old Testament where God sharpens them by, by giving them a little harder life in captivity, right? So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, the the especially the captivity in Babylon, right? It was yeah. kind of as a result of their own sin, in a way, their neglect of the poor, right, and then also their idolatry in the temple as well, that kind of led to the destruction of Jerusalem in the first time. And so, and we don't them. have we don't have any of those problems in today's world. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've never seen that before at all in this time, yes. <laughs> but, and that's where at God Squad, we've always tried to take a, what I call a strength-based approach uh, to the faith and and point to the truth and beauty of the church because it's so easy to get mired down in in the mud of, of the world, right? Mm -hmm. So... So we were encouraging uh, men, well, at the time of this recording, it'll be May 23rd is when the Canadian Shrine has been selected to lead the this uh, prayer that the Pope's asked for. And what's interesting is on that day, 
the prayer is for law enforcement, military, and firefighters. And and I can't think of a better way to to help the world than to pray for those people because they're the ones that are given the power to go and and do or not do the orders of the government. So we, we need to just surround those people, our churches, our province and our country in prayer. So that's what we're pointing to is is pray if we want to see an end to this. Yeah, you know what? And what's really interesting, if we study church history, we know that prayer has always been the answer to um, to pandemics and plagues, right? What's really interesting is that one of my favorite uh, examples of this is uh, um, St. Charles Borromeo, who was a bishop in around the 17th century um, around the Council of Trent. And it, the, there was a plague that was ravaging Milan at the time, which was so bad that the, the governors of the city left the city. So imagine, you know, a plague so bad that Mayor Nahid Nenshi left the city of Calgary, and then Bishop McGrath had to run the city. That was how bad that plague was there. And what he did was he, he encouraged people to pray. He had outdoor processions. Uh, they, they continued, they, they had to shut down some churches, but they still had masses going. They had pillars outside and they had altars built outdoors for masses to be celebrated, catechesis to be taught. And so the faith continued and uh, they don't call it the plague or whatever, right? They call it Charles plague because they don't remember what the plague did. They remember how he responded to it. And so I think that's just a great opportunity for us as well in our time to, to respond, respond with deep faith and heroicism. This is a time for heroics in a way. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance is promoting uh, the Catholic Father's Day processions. So we're, they're, they're encouraging churches, dioceses to lead those processions and those prayers uh, leading up to Father's Day. So the month of June. So you, there, there's a website, catholicfathersday.com. Mm -hmm. And they're strongly encouraging it because God, Jesus, they're the only ones that are going to put a stop to whatever we are facing. We can try and, and science our way out of it, but it's God that created the science too. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. and, yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm, and we just put out our monthly man update and, uh, and in there, I think we're coming into a time or we're in a time where we are going to have to be true evangelists as as you talked about catechesis but i think before we even get to the catechesis that we have to evangelize and and let people know that god loves them and has an amazing plan for them so yeah it's an interesting time right now because especially with everything you mentioned about 15 people in the church we're just trying to survive at this point right now we're just trying to say mass and so catechesis evangelism is, is like 
an afterthought for us right now in a way too. But um, but I think there's definitely room for both in a way in, in their certain times for sure. Um, I think with, with evangelism, I think it's important for sure because that's part of the mission of the church. But I think we're, we could, I guess we can talk about the new evangelization, right? In terms of evangelizing those who are already been baptized, but not catechized, right? And so those among our faithful, in a way. And so yeah. to, to reach out to them, I think, is, is in that new evangelization, I think is really important. Because as a priest in my ministry, um, we just see so many people you know, practicing the faith, but they have no idea why. Or they haven't really had that experience and encounter of the good news personally in their own life, just because they've been brought up Catholic. And, and that's part of that evangelization or the new evangelization that uh, we talk of where that why, that, the, that plan that God has for each and every one of us and where we fit in that plan and how we respond to that plan, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, 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 there's going to be bad habits as well that have been formed over the last year and a half where they haven't gone to church and we're going to have to encourage them to get into the good habits again, right? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think the, um, I agree with that. And when you're talking about kind of building new habits and, helping people encounter the faith, you know, so she had a conversation with some parishioners and we we're just talking about the Jordan Peterson phenomenon again, right? And just how, you know, we've, we've been doing such a bad job of making the faith credible to the secular world that he's been doing a great job of, he doesn't even fully, he's, he's of course, we're not sure where he's at right now, right? I think he believes in the resurrection based on the most recent interviews that we've listened to, but he's giving really credible reasons, logical uh, reasons to believe not only in faith, but particularly in Catholicism, in Christianity. And so um, he's in a way sowing the seed right now. And so we got to get ready because there's going to be, there's going to be a time when, which I think Jordan Peterson is going to convert and he's going to draw millions of people to the church. But anyway, we got to be ready as a community to receive the harvest. Yes. Uh, Jeff Cavins talks about, you know, where uh, a parish of 3,000 families and you get three converts, uh, two married in and one read a Scott Hahn book. That's not <laughs> church growth. Where, no, no. Uh, and and we, we have to be prepared for that harvest and, and make our parishes a welcoming place. Uh, I've challenged because I worked with youth at risk for years, I challenged parish leaders. I go, okay, I tell a young person that God loves them and he, he wants them to be part of the church. Now, which church do I send them to? Where are they going to be welcomed? Where are they going to be encouraged? So uh, that's where we as Catholics have to do a better job of, of inviting, welcoming, and allowing people to to be part of the mission. Yeah, definitely. No, that sounds like great work, what you're doing. Just trying to 
help people know Christ. But where are we going to bring them to, right? Like, where are we going to send them to? Yeah. Don't want to drive them away again, right? And so it's it's a that's mix right. of reaching out, but then also building up the body that's already there, that's already wounded. And so it's hard, though, right? Well, and, it's a reality because there's no there's huge communities. Like, how are you going to make that welcoming community with 3,000 families? Well, and 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 you as a new priest who's got 3,000 families to look after uh it's it's that's a task in it in and of itself right without even going out into the world to invite others in right so we but god can do anything right (laughs) yeah it's interesting you kind of talked about that because during the pandemic I, uh, I I want I start calling people right just to to let them know that we you know without any agenda like I'm not asking for money I just want to see how you're doing right and I got the list it's like 24 pages 30 names on each page and I tried I went hard for like an hour and I got a headache just calling people just because there's just so much it's like wow I can't I can't call I, I can't even call every single person let alone meet and get to know them personally right yeah well and that's where i had suggested it at our parish and just having some of the leaders and then they were worried about foip and all the other (laughs) rules uh, of freedom of information for those that don't know what uh foip is and uh but we need to create an environment and we need to be solid so in what we're inviting people to and that's where so for people that don't know father troy has uh, agreed to be my spiritual advisor he if he doesn't have enough work to do uh, <laughs> we thought we'd uh, give him a little bit more to carry and uh, why is it why is it important for people to to have somebody as a spiritual advisor in 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 the in life in their walk yeah you know um a spiritual advisor spiritual director is so important in one's life you know as a priest you know i have a spiritual director as well because um you know someone once told me that he who tries to guide himself is a fool you know what i mean we're just trying to we're just trying to lead myself it's very easy to be deceived because it's a, we're in a battle and there's an enemy who doesn't want us to follow the right path and so it's so important for many reasons you know so the first one is just to just to get a sounding board right we need we need someone that we can go to where we can get, be completely honest we can have that um integrity of just hey these are the challenges and these are the burdens i'm carrying because oftentimes we can live our lives with a mask, pretending everything's okay, right? But going to the spiritual direction really, if you do it well, you do it honestly, you're saying, hey, these are the things where I screwed up, and this is where I need help. And that's where the second portion of spiritual direction is important, is that it's keeping us accountable, right? Like, oh yeah, I should, I should, I gotta pray more, I gotta, I've been, I haven't been going to bed on time, I've been waking up on time, I've been exercising, you know, like it's those things that we already know, but when we go to spiritual direction, we uh, we are held accountable to to be reminded of that. And also as well, you 
the last thing I would say is that in spiritual direction, your spiritual director is helping you listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. And so really the, the true spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. And then the spiritual director or the spiritual advisor is the one who's listening with you on how the Spirit is moving in your life. And when you can be faithful to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit in that way, then that's when we can truly become holy. And, when we can, and that's when we can truly begin to change the world. It's going to begin with individual people like that. That's, that's awesome. And you and I have recently been talking about that relationship with the Holy Spirit, which I had struggled with uh, for quite some time after having a bad experience coming back to the church with the charismatic re renewal as a young man. And I'm going, get me out of here. Uh, I don't know where I am. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, uh, Michelle and I are, are in the midst of a, a novena to the Holy Spirit and really mm -hmm. trying to tap into to that direction. And that's where that prayer uh, is so important. And, and to that end, God Squad, on our website, we've created uh, either you can read many of the prayers, but we've also, we're, we're creating recordings so that you can you're not praying alone or you don't feel alone like i'm finding it it quite good to to just pray along with my brothers kind of thing mm -hmm. so uh, i i'd strongly encourage uh men and young men to uh to join us on the god squad website we we were doing some google ads and we actually came in third place for the divine mercy leading up to divine mercy promoting it so Oh, nice. So it's quite lots of exciting things happening. And like you say, the Holy Spirit's at work and just mm -hmm. trying to discern and keep up. But uh, we also talk about other things like fun and, and food. And I know you can cover those topics fairly well as well. You and I are still on for a basketball game at some time, but uh, mm. you, you, I know you like the board games as well. And, uh, You've, you've led a lot of the young men using board games in, as an opportunity to build relationships with them and help them learn the faith through a board game, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, especially now, like a pandemic, I think if you haven't started playing board games during this pandemic, you're missing out. I just, uh, I, I love board games. They're, they're just so fun. You know, we started, you start, like, we're not, when we talk about board games, there's, like, different levels, right? You always say, uh, there's, like, your Monopoly and your Risk, right? And then you got your party yeah. games and stuff like that. And then you got, then you got, got your entry-level games, which is, like, Catan and Ticket to Ride. And when I played Catan for the first time, it kind of opened up my eyes to this whole new board game world. And it's a, it's a very vast universe. And, um, oh, I, my, my, my siblings love it. We all, uh, especially prior to the pandemic, we were playing lots of board games together. And what it does, it just, it gives us that opportunity to gather together and to be in community because it's easy to watch a movie or play video games, but board games really allow you to challenge and be in community with one another and just testing one another's skills. And it's, uh, it's a really good community builder and just a really good way to build human relationships face-to-face, -face, right? So, so I think it was a great way to do that with the young men as well, to be able to 
yeah, play some board games for them to to connect with one another in a you know, especially for guys, right? We need to we can't just talk about our feelings like right away. Yeah, there's got to be some sort of middle mediating factor, right? Where you don't have to talk to one another, but you're in each other's presence and building relationships. You know, guys build relationships very differently, I think, from women. And that's why yes. sports are so important too. In fact, in Okotoks, we, uh, I'm actually, I'm ordering a basketball net with a six foot overhang, nice plexiglass. It's gotta be nice too. Gonna get some lines as well too. So we're gonna install it in our parking lot. And gonna get some hockey nets as well, also some soccer nets. So I'm just really looking forward to building up kind of a sports kind of venue here at St. James, just to make, make it a place where the youth can, can come and gather. And, Actually, it's really, really funny too. Is I finished, I actually applied for a fifty thousand dollar grant from Canadian Tire, so for for Good sports. For you. Yeah, so hopefully that works out. And I told the kids, man, if I get some well, of that, we'll I've get got some recommend- <laughs> I got some. I've got some recommendations on basketball hoops if you want, because I I did that with the police service. So we've got nice. two nice basketball hoops for outside for doing camps and stuff. So yeah. Uh, yeah. They've, they've stood up really, really well. Uh, and I know on the food front, uh, I'm thinking a bo- after your board game, we'll do a board game and barbecue uh, day. That that should get the young men out, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> once and barbecue, once yeah. the pandemic's over. Yeah, I know. The board game is not the most pan- COVID-friendly activity. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in close quarters, then- touching the same thing, yeah. And uh, so, uh, and your parents run a Vietnamese restaurant or own a Vietnamese restaurant. So I know you've, you've eaten very well. And I, Vietnamese is actually our family favorite for going out. Uh, and I've been, I've been eating Vietnamese food almost as long as you've been alive. So probably I, I longer. Really yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not that old, you know. <laughs> but because. Uh, the restaurants when you were born were only on 17th Avenue Southeast here in Calgary. And and I I remember building relationships with the community out there as a police officer and uh, the restaurant owners, like they were nervous even talking to us, but building those relationships over the years and, and the food was always amazing. (laughs) So it's, it's a family favorite. And so, what did we've got a couple segments one of them is uh young men are struggling even knowing what a man is these days so what advice do you give your 18 year old self yeah you know there's uh definitely a lot of confusion of what it means to be a man there's kind of hyper realizations of that you know with the machismo thing and then there's man is a social construct right and so there's kind of extremes of, of, of trying to understand. So there's a lot of confusion. And so if I were to kind of give advice to my 18-year-old self, you know, the foundation of what it means to be a man. I would read Wild at Heart. That's the first thing I would, I would recommend. Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Because when I read that book for the first time, uh, I read that at like when I was like 23 or 24. And that, that changed my life just because... Um, he really speaks about the desires of the heart of the man because a man has three main desires 
which makes a man unique, which is a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. And I think if every man generally asks that question, I, I think it's true. You know, you think of boys who like fighting. Like I love, when I was a kid, I loved Power Rangers. My parents banned me from watching Power Rangers because I got too violent. So it was just something written in us, right? Like we were made for battle, right? And then we love adventure too, right? Like I love backcountry camping, just hiking out into the mountains with a heavy pack. Not sure if I'm going to make it through or make it back, right? And you're training for that. Just a sense of like challenge, because that's what adventure is. It's a sense of challenge and something we desire, right? And of course, it can just it can be experienced in different ways, right? Challenge is not just physical challenge, but it's yeah. in, in, you know intellectual, right? Or even in the arts, right? Because sometimes guys can veer away from the arts, but there's some there's a masculine way to do the arts, right? And of course, right now, a beauty to rescue. Like, we all want to fight for the beauty. The, the, we want to. We, we recognize the beauty, and we want to fight for it. Right? It's that's the whole story about slaying the dragon to 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 rescue the princess. Right? In every good story, every good movie, there's always a love story. You think of Lord of the Rings. You think of The Hobbit. Right? There's always a, there's like a love love story that that's needed there to be to make the story kind of uh, important, and even in Braveheart. Right? So but what's happening in our world yeah. today is that those three desires are being twisted and misunderstood. So that's, maybe that's, I think that's one of the one things, main things if I had to say was, was that read Wild at Heart and listen to those three desires of your heart. That's, that's awesome. And, and you talk, you mentioned the arts where <clears throat> I've got three sons and the first two played sports, but and Patrick ha has pursued the acting career and we've encouraged him and he's at the U of A right now doing extremely well mm -hmm. in, in, in acting while still trying to remain the masculine male. And, and so he's, he's, he's doing extremely well and, and we're quite proud of, of what he's been doing so far. So, uh, yeah. The next one is Jeff Cavins talks about riding with your posse. So who are your go-to saints? Yeah, my first one uh, for sure is St. John Paul II. And just his witness, you know, one of the, one of the great books is the five, His Five Great Loves, or The Five Great Loves of John Paul II by Jason Ebert. And it's just a great biography of John Paul II's life. And um, just the horrors that he went through in Poland, right? Having to put like Vaseline on his hands and just to prevent him, his hands from freezing, right? And just all the horrors he went through and then just even losing his, his mom, then losing his brother, then losing his father by the age of 21. But yeah. when this man becomes a Pope, you know, you think he'd be broken. But the first thing he says is, do not be afraid. So, and then especially with his teachings of uh, theology of the body has been revolutionary for me and for the world as well. So he's, the, he's one saint I turn to uh, and I read and I love, pray to. Uh, one of my other favorite saints is just, yes, that's the book. John, Five Great Loves, right? Yep. St. John Paul the Great, his five loves, yeah. 
Then uh, the other one I really like, Mother Teresa. I just love Mother Teresa. Uh, there's a great uh, biography of her life from the Augustine Institute. And it's from her spiritual director who accompanied her, or one of the priests who accompanied her. It just gives like a really human perspective of Mother Teresa. And she's just loved with a heart that was so selfless at every moment. One of my favorite stories about her is that a journalist was talking to her and um, Mother Teresa was tending to the wounds of this leper and the wounds were so foul that the journalist was like, man, for a, I wouldn't even do that for a million dollars. And then Mother Teresa says, yes, for a million dollars, I wouldn't either. And just showed her like, I'm not here for the money. I'm here because of Jesus Christ, who is worth more than a million dollars in this person. And, um, and the last two saints, I would say, they're kind of connected. is John the Cross, St. John the Cross, and um, St. Teresa of Lisieux, St. Teresa of Lisieux, who read a lot of John the Cross. And just, I find a lot of affinity with John the Cross and how he was misunderstood. You know, his own congregation threw him in prison and whipped him and tortured him, right? Because he was trying to bring about reform. And I think so many times in our own lives, we feel misunderstood. And so I really felt, feel a strong affinity with him, but someone who endured the cross, but was a great mystic as well, and had a profound, deep relationship with him too. So one of my favorite books about St. John of the Cross is The Impact of God. This is an amazing, amazing book if you want to learn about the life of St. John of the Cross, but also his his um, his teachings about that's one of my favorite. So those are those are my four saints that I would, I, I would go to. Thank you, thank you so much, uh, Father Troy. And so, Ishka, or the Gaelic term, the origin of whiskey is a, a Gaelic term called Ishkabaha, which means water of life. Mm -hmm. And my prayer is that you will lead many, many souls to the true water of life. And if you wouldn't mind just closing us with a blessing, that would be yeah, appreciated. Sure. Well, we close with the prayer and then the blessing in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of life. And we give you thanks for all the many blessings you have bestowed upon us. In these difficult and troubling times, we just ask you to send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to strengthen us, to embolden us, to give us courage, so that we may know your will and follow it faithfully. And we ask all of this through Christ our Lord. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. No worries, Sean. Great to talk to you, and we'll have that. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of A Dram with Friends. Like and subscribe. Go to all podcast platforms to look for it on podcast or go to godsquad.ca to support our mission.